Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. I'll tell you, the birth of Jesus Christ has got to be, without a doubt, the most significant event throughout all human history. It would change the way that we keep track of time. It would affect the fact that uh, one-third of the world population uh, celebrated Christmas yesterday. And I think more, most significant of all is it would impact the way that we have a relationship uh, with God. And we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. We hope you had a Merry Christmas um, yesterday. I know when it comes to Christmas that uh, uh, we all approach it a little bit differently, uh, except for the kids who all seem to enjoy being out of school. <laughs> Our kids are so excited. They're really enjoying the break. You know, for some of you, uh, if you work in retail, uh, Christmas started uh, maybe months ago before Thanksgiving. It takes a lot of planning to go in to prepare for the hordes of people that descend on your retail shop uh, to buy stuff, right? And uh, for some people, Christmas starts right after Thanksgiving. How many of you put your Christmas lights up after Thanksgiving, the day after? Does anybody do that besides me? Yeah, we, we usually put the tree up and put the lights up. And uh, uh, when we first moved down here, uh, was, things were just too busy. We didn't put up any lights. I had a little blob of lights I was playing around with. Never got them up. Last year, stuff was in boxes because we had just moved down here. And, uh, but that was okay because our next-door neighbor just kind of blew us all away with their lights and didn't want to compete with that anyway. Uh, this year, although it was all quiet on our neighborhood, cul-de-sac was a little bit light, so I did put some Christmas lights up. I got some on the front porch. <laughs> got a little sleigh there. Got some, uh, oh, my wife did a fantastic job decorating uh, the inside of the house. Uh, this was what was on the outside, so it looks kind of cute. You know, I've got a theory uh, about Christmas lights on the outside. You know what it is. Uh, the more you put up before it snows, the more you got to take down <laughs> after it snows, right? <laughs> so... Uh, so I keep that to a minimum. I, uh, when we first moved to Illinois, we put a lot of stuff out. Oh, it was great. It was beautiful. snowed, and it was, I think it was springtime before I was able to pull all the lights out. So, uh, so we toned down the, uh, the outside. Some people put up lights. Uh, some people don't. Uh, some people exchange gifts. Maybe some people don't. Uh, uh, for some, it's a very quiet day, just kind of relaxing, sitting around with family. And then for some, uh, it's just loud and hectic. Uh, but I think for everyone... There's some sort of an anticipation as we approach uh, the Christmas season, right? And then there's somewhat of a relief the day after uh, the celebration is over. It's like, ah, oh, we made it. Well, regardless of uh, what Christmas was like for you or what presents you received or didn't receive, uh, there's a gift uh, that God gives each of us that extends uh, to you and to me that we can enjoy uh, absolutely forever. There is no greater gift and probably no greater uh, demonstration or summary in God's love, uh, then we find in the passage that we're going to look at this morning from John uh, chapter 3, verse 16. On the inside of your program, uh, you'll find an, out, an outline, green insert. If you would, uh, take that out with me for a moment, and let's read uh, that verse together. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal that's simply one sentence with 26 little words in it. Yet that verse is filled with so much truth and a life-transforming message. This morning I want to look at seven truths about uh, God's love for you and for me. And I pray that this will transform your life, that you will be able to live out your faith in a fresh new way as we head into the year 2011. I'd like to ask you if you would uh, just pray with me now as uh, uh, just before we get to look at this passage. Father, I just want to thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together this morning, to 
celebrate the work that you're doing in and through our lives. It was just great hearing uh, the stories about the work that you're doing in and through our lives. And uh, God, we just commit this church to you uh, for your glory. And we'd be effective at reaching our community uh, with the good news about uh, Jesus Christ. I just pray that you continue to draw us closer to yourself. And uh, this morning, we just pray that these truths uh, would seep in and transform our lives. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Well, the first truth about God's love that we see from this passage in John 3.16 is, uh, begins by saying that God so loved the world. We know that God's love is unconditional. God loved the world. You know, did you know that God loves you? you know, I told a guy that once, and uh, I don't think anybody had ever told him that before. didn't feel like God loved him. just felt like he was unworthy. But, uh, you know, it's important for you to understand as a premise that uh, God loves you and has a plan and a purpose uh, for your life. Love in chapter 1, uh, verse 5, uh, God says uh, to Jeremiah, he says, uh, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God had a plan and a purpose for Jeremiah. Before he formed him in the womb, he was known by God. You know, and I think that's important for you to know, that God, you are not here by accident. And God loves you and has a plan and a purpose uh, for your life. But it doesn't always feel that way, um, does it? You know, sometimes things creep in on us and we begin to doubt that. We begin to wonder about that. And uh, it happens at the most inopportune times. Uh, after our Christmas Eve service Friday, uh, we were going over to my mom's house to have some dinner and open some presents. We we're just going to celebrate our time together. And so I was just leaving the church and I got a call from one of my kids and she said, you need to get over here right now. I'm thinking, man, she is really excited about dinner and presents. And so I was trying to unpack a little bit what was going on. And she goes, no, you don't understand. Grandma fell. And there's blood everywhere. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I am so grateful my mom's okay. Uh, she fell down, and uh, she hit her head. And uh, the back of her, she's got a concussion. And uh, it was really a terrible accident. And so uh, I spent uh, all uh, late that evening and into the early morning in the emergency room uh, at uh, down at Good Shepherd or you know, Sherman. <laughs> Great hospital. And uh, but I was sitting in the emergency room. And uh, just kind of waiting for all this to play out. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I have been here before. <laughs> like two months earlier, I was just sitting in the emergency room with my daughter who had fallen. And uh, I was, you know, I was just trying to play through my own mind. Well, what was God trying uh, to do through all this? You know, this Christmas, this past two months, God has really uh, got my attention. And one of the things that God's just really impressed on my heart is the fact that he loves me. And he's able to be there and see me through whatever circumstance, whatever situation I'm in. And I've had to learn to trust God in new ways uh, as we've approached the end of this year. The reality of God's love has been personal. And I think in spite of my circumstances, I know that God is there and that he has a plan in, in spite of how I feel. You know, God loves us. And he shows us how much he loves us, not in a sense that he removes, you know, bad things that happen to us in life, because we know that in this world, we're going to have trials and tribulations and problems. We know that coming in. The Bible's clear. Uh, but we know that our peace ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. And God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God loves the world and everyone in it. The world is the object of his love. And the world, as it's used in this passage, points to our planet that is inhabited uh, by mankind. Imperfect and fallen the ungodly multitude, it's all of us, all of mankind, imperfect and alienated from God. I found a passage, uh, it's not on your outline, 
Uh, but maybe you uh, can jot it off to the side somewhere if you get a chance. It's from 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. John's writing again, and he says this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we, we may know him who is true. You see, God loves an imperfect world. It's a world that's under the control of the evil one. And the point is this. God still loves us. He loves us in spite of our fallenness and frailties. His love is not limited to just the good people. You know, God loves everyone. And his love is not based on our spiritual condition or our moral ideas. It's not based on our behavior or even our attitude towards him. I was talking to... Uh, uh, a gentleman was a little while back was a guy that I used to work with and um, just did, just didn't feel like uh, uh, that he was worthy enough before God. And it was, it, it did, I told him, I said, it doesn't really matter how you feel. You know, in spite of how you feel, in spite of your circumstances, you can know that God does in fact you. That's news sometimes that we just need to be reminded of. You know, we need to know that God loves us. God is there for us. His love is unconditional. And that's one of the characteristics of God that sets him apart from every other God and every other world religion. You see, other people have gods that have appeared in human form. Other religions have people that have returned from the dead. But Christianity is unique in a sense that Christ is alive. The tomb was empty on Easter morning. I was at a Christmas party not too long ago, and we were talking about, you know, does God answer prayer? Or how come this happens? Or how come this answers? Just great questions that people ask. And every once in a while, I get a stumper. Uh, you know, that's a great question. You'll have to think about that in a little while, but let me get back to you. But in the meantime, it doesn't really matter. It's secondary because, let me tell you, the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. And so while we're working on the peripheral about trying to understand some things about God, it all comes back to the central focus that God was uh, in human form, come down to earth as Jesus Christ. And he died penalty for your sins. And he rose from the grave. And we have to deal with that reality. But Christianity is also unique that in through Jesus Christ, we're able to see the grace of God. Christianity um, uniquely claims that God's love comes free of charge with no strings attached. No other religion, no other belief system can make that claim. Buddhists have to follow an eight-step path to enlightenment. There's no free ride. The Hindus believe in karma, that your actions will affect how you're treated after you die. You know, Muslims uh, worship Allah, and they use the Quran and, and some of the names of the Bible you might find in there, but nowhere in the Quran do you find anything about the love of God. Even the Jews who believe that God, uh, who believe in God but rejected Jesus Christ, live with a code that implies that God has requirements for people to be acceptable. It's only in Christianity that you find the truth that God's love is unconditional. And we call that unconditional love grace. It's truly a gift for God. It's freely given. And each of us has to make an opportunity to decide what we're going to do with that free gift. The second truth that we find is that God's love is sacrificial. God's love is uh, sacrificial. It's unconditional and it's sacrificial. You know, we live in a culture that would have you believe that love is what? A feeling. I'm in love. We usually associate love with how we feel towards something. In fact, many people... I love others because of what they do for them or how they make them feel. 
Uh, but God shows his love for us in this, that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. And it is there that we learn something important about the nature of, of true love. Sacrificial love uh, is not a feeling. It's about giving. It's about serving. It's not about what makes us feel good or about what we get out of a relationship. You know, what's interesting is that um, you can give without loving. There are things that I give to that I might not be particularly attached to or love. Uh, and so I can give without loving. Uh, you can give to a charity or you know, those kind of things. But you cannot, you cannot love without wanting to give. I cannot love my kids without wanting to give of myself to them. And you cannot love God without giving him your, his rightful place in your heart and in your life. You know, love will cost us uh, as well. Sometimes it costs us in three more important areas that we probably, uh, it will cost us in is with time, uh, with our energy, with our finances. Because those things are all very limited. And uh, when we give of those things, uh, we give sacrificially. And sacrificial love is something that um, God has called us to. The Apostle Peter, I uh, was wondering uh, if sacrificial uh, giving was something that was really worth it. In the book of Matthew, uh, he says to Jesus, look, we left everything to follow you, and uh, what are we going to get out of the deal? And Jesus looks to him and he says, look, anyone who has sacrificed on my behalf is going to get back everything in return a hundred times over. And so Jesus takes, you know, he helps him transition from worldly thinking about what we're going to get out of this life to uh, eternal thinking in terms of what really matters. And so he tells, he says, look, he said, whatever you give is going to come back to you a hundredfold. It can cost you uh, uh, a lot of different things in your areas, whether it's finances or time. You know, sometimes it costs us in giving up our pride. You know, sometimes we really hang on to some pretty silly things in the name of pride. It might cost us in giving up resentment, or it might cost us in our desire to get even. You know, sometimes it might cost us in giving up uh, the pain that someone has caused uh, that we uh, we hold on to, and so sometimes those things that we hold on to are, are we really just have to we have to we have to trust God with them and we have to give sacrificially. But the result of giving sacrificially uh, is the return, and focusing on the fact that the return is going to be much greater than what was given. And the result of God's sacrificial love for us on our behalf is that we can have the assurance of an eternal life with Him. God's love is unconditional, and it's sacrificial, and it's very valuable. That's the third truth about God's love, is that it's valuable. He gave. He gave his one and only. And it's here that we see the value of God's love for us. Not only was he willing to give, but we see that he was willing to give his one and only. And there's something about giving of the one and only that is really sacrificial. You know, yesterday we were sitting down to have breakfast, and we had some scrambled eggs. Really simple. And uh, I had the scrambled eggs were all gone. I had a little bit of scrambled eggs on my plate. And uh, um, I was just thinking about taking that last bite. And my daughter goes, hey, is there any more scrambled eggs? <laughs> I looked down and thought, it's already on my plate. And I said, nope. <laughs> so they're all gone. I said, besides I got seasoned salt on them and some hot sauce from Belize. I thought, she's not ready to want them. And so I took that last bite and I thought, you know, <laughs> I could have at least offered, right? <laughs> That last little bite, you know. <laughs> you know but it's in here that we see uh, the value of, of God's love. He gave his, his one and only. You know, how many times have you heard or even said to yourself, I can't give because, because it's what? Because it's the only one I have or it's the last one. You know, we've all said that. 
But here in this part of the passage, we learn that God didn't have a backup plan. He didn't have a spare. He wasn't giving out of many. Uh, but he loved us so much that he was willing to give his one and only son. You know, beginning in Luke chapter uh, 21, Jesus gives an example of a valuable gift. He was watching uh, rich people come in uh, to the temple, and they were putting in their offerings into the uh, temple treasury. Uh, and he sees a poor woman come up, and she puts in two uh, small copper coins. And he looks down, and he says, I tell you the truth, that poor widow has put in more than any of all the others. He says, everyone else has given their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave based on what she had to live on. It was a sacrificial gift, and he praises her for that. You see, value is attached, not just to the amount, but on the basis of what is given. That's why God says he loves a cheerful giver. It's not about the amount, but it's about having a right heart before God and really giving him control. And the power and passion of God's love comes across uh, in the value of what was given. Uh, he gave his one and only son. And that leads us to the fourth truth about God's love. It's personal. God's love is personal. Uh, it's not only value, but it was personal because it was his son. It was, it was a person. I mean, we're not talking about loose change here. God's love is not merely some abstract theological concept or idea. God's love was made known through a person, Jesus Christ, the only son of the Father. Jesus Christ came into this world and uh, to reveal to us the love that God has for us. And he revealed that love in human form. And his humanity is important because it's through his humanity that he can look into our lives and say, look, I understand where you're coming from. I understand what you've been through. You know, I've been there. Jesus was tempted in every way that we have, but yet he did not sin. And, and so his humanity is important in, in order for us to be able to relate to him. But it's also important because it's an, it gives us the ability to relate to God in a different way that's not just some concept, you know, some conceptual idea. It's a real person that we can relate to. I read a story once that really illustrated this. It was about a guy named Joe. He was a drunk, and uh, he was a bum on the street. And uh, God called him uh, through a local mission work into a relationship with Christ. But before he made his uh, faith commitment, he had a reputation as being a bum and a hopeless wino. Uh, but the story went on to say... And after he committed his life to Christ, everything changed. It said that, you know, Joe became a, a genuine, open, uh, caring person. He spent all of his time helping out at the mission there, doing whatever needed to be done. Uh, there was never anything that he was asked to do that he felt like it was beneath him. You know, he cleaned up the mess of others. He, he cleaned up after guys that had, and, had stayed there overnight. He cleaned up everything that people left behind that was dirty. And uh, as a result of his spending time there, he started having an impact on the other people around him. And one evening, uh, the mission director is delivering a message. Uh, he's giving a sermon to the usual crowd that's gathered there uh, together for dinner. And uh, at the end of the dinner time, one man came forward, came to the front, and he kneeled to pray. And uh, he prayed for God to change him. And uh, he, the man kept crying out to God. He said, uh, make me like Joe. You know, God, just make me like Joe. And the director leaned over and said, hey, wouldn't it be better if you prayed, uh, you know, make me like Jesus? And uh, after thinking about it for a few seconds, the man looked up and said, is he like Joe? <laughs> That's a great story that illustrates the example of how God's love can be made personal in our lives. God's love is personal on one hand because it makes known a person, Jesus Christ. But it's also personal because it's given to his people, to, to you and, and to me. 
you know, uh, personal as what you might find if you walked through my house and looked at my walls. You'd see pictures of my kids up there, friends and, and family, or you'd see maybe pictures that the kids uh, had drawn. Those are all personal things that hang on my wall. And I'd, I'd like to think of is, is God having my picture up on a wall, on his wall, because he cares about me, because I'm a part of his family. I'm important to him. And whenever I want to, I can talk to him. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what's going on in my life, I can step back and I can say, okay, God loves me, he cares about me, and he's got a plan. And that, that's a personal relationship that we can have. We can have a personal relationship because we know for a fact that he cares about us. He cares about us and he's available for us. And that leads us to the fifth truth about God's love is that God's accessible. God is accessible to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him uh, shall not perish. You know, underline the word uh, whoever in the bottom of that passage there. Whoever. God's love is accessible and available to whoever. You know, that's the really good news about God's love. It's not limited to a select few. It's not only available to those who were born under a specific set of circumstances. It's not just available to people that are good. You know, God's love is accessible to whoever believes in Jesus, the only Son of God. And that is great news. That's the great news of Christmas. God came down. And it's not like we even have to reach out. You know, God has come down to our level. Not in a sense that he's lessened his standards. You know, I can get in the middle of an argument. My wife has to remind me every once in a while, look, don't get to their level. You know, it's just like work with talk of the kids. And so God comes down to our level, not in a sense that he lessens his standards, but in a sense that he has made his love available to the average ordinary person, to me and to you. You know, God is not distant. He's not mystical. He's an up-close and personal God that cares about us is demonstrated through the relationship that we can have with his son. And the Christmas story is one of the greatest stories ever told. God came down to earth, born of the Virgin Mary, just as it was predicted through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is great news. Can you believe that an infant born in a manger would make the ultimate expression of God's love by not only being born, but then giving his life on the cross to die for you and for me and for our sins? By choosing to believe in Jesus Christ, you have immediate access to God, to the grace of God, and to the forgiveness of God. You know, by believing in Him, you have access to new eternal life. That's what this Christmas story was was all about. Was our was God coming down and making Himself available to us so we could relate to Him, so we could be a part of His family. My uh, cell phone uh, contract expired a couple months ago, and so I got a new phone. Part of me didn't want to switch because uh, I hate having to learn how to use a new phone. <laughs> and one of the things I still have to reprogram uh, in my new phone is ringtones. You know, I use different ringtones uh, for different groups of people. I'm part of an emergency response group for team. And so when they call, it's a little siren that beeps. And, and uh, when my kids call, you know, they get a, they get a ring. And uh, when my m- wife calls, you know, it vibrates and jingles. <laughs> you know, I've got different ringtones for different people. And so... Uh, you know, it's not that I don't care about anybody that would call my cell phone. But what's in a family member, when I hear a specific ringtone, sometimes I have to stop whatever I'm doing to answer that call. I'm always available to my family members. In the same way, God is always available and accessible to whoever believes in his son, Jesus Christ. Not only is he accessible, but he makes himself available. 
But the security that we have in him and our faith in him is secure. Now, on the back of your outline, you'll find the sixth truth about God's love, and it's this. God's love for us is secure. Now, that was the whole point of the Father sending his Son from heaven to earth. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have believed in him, you will not perish. We have the assurance of spending eternity with God in heaven. Jesus was not born to show us how bad we are or to judge us. You know, God's desire in sending his son was to show you and show me his love and draw us into a relationship with him. Jesus did not come into the world in order to scold you, to fight with you. You know, he came to rescue you. He he did not come to criticize you. He he came to cleanse you. He did not come to punish you uh, or to destroy you, but he came to pardon you and deliver you. Jesus came the first time to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came down to establish a relationship with us so that we can enter into this love relationship with God. And don't be mistaken, because one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of our lives. Jesus is going to come back to earth one day to judge the living and the dead. And we need to live our lives out in light of that reality and be prepared for that. With regard to the judgment, there is a difference between what is right and what is wrong. And the Bible tells us not only about God's love, but about the consequences of our disobedience. God is perfect, and we are not. We all have sin in our lives, and we we can pay for that sin. We can pay for the penalty for that sin ourselves, through eternal separation from God. If I get a speeding ticket, I can walk in and pay it myself. Or we can have the death of Jesus Christ on the cross pay the penalty for our sins uh, because of what he's accomplished for us. So we can pay it. For God can pay it. The choice is ours to make right here, right now. But for those who believe in him, we have this promise from God. We will not perish. Underline the word, uh, the words shall not in that passage. Shall not. It doesn't say might not. It doesn't say there's a good chance will not. It doesn't say maybe won't. It says definitely they shall not perish. It's done. It's finished. It's been accomplished. It will be realized in the future. And when we choose Christ, we are choosing over Satan and this fallen world. And we are placing our faith in him and the security that he offers as a result of the love that is demonstrated through his son. So God's love is secure. And then the last and seventh truth about God's love is this. It is everlasting. God's love lasts forever. Whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but they'll have what? eternal life. You underline the word eternal in that passage. How long is eternity? Eternity is forever, right? It's not a thousand years. It's not a million years or a billion years. It's forever. Who knows what comes after a billion? Trillion, yeah. Does anybody know what comes after a trillion? I looked that up once. I think I've heard somebody might call it. Here's what comes after a trillion. Quadrillion. After that, quintillion, hexillion, heptillion, octillion, and nonillion. You know what comes after that? Decillion, Osedillion, and finally, Deucecillion. That's like one with 40 zeros on the end of it. And there's stuff that comes after that. You know, I actually was looking it up, but I gave up. Uh, first of all, because I couldn't pronounce half the words. <laughs> and because it, it kind of proves the point. And the point is this. God's love is going to last for a long time, forever. And those that believe in Jesus Christ are going to be in heaven forever. 
those that don't believe in Jesus Christ are going to be separated from God forever. Forever is a difficult idea for us to grasp. But I find comfort in knowing that I don't need to get my hands and my brain around eternity. All I have to do is trust Jesus Christ. And I find it such a comfort that no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to be in his presence for all eternity. So there's going to be no more weeping, no more tears, no more pain, and no more sorrow. This morning, I know that there are many of you here that maybe have memorized this verse. You know, maybe you've heard this verse before. This is not news. I want to ask you to do something for me this morning. I want you to pray about letting this verse continue to challenge you and to change you and change your relationship with the people around you. This verse uh, might be kind of familiar to you. Or maybe today it's new to you completely. You've never heard this verse before. John 3.16 has the power to change your life now and forever. I want to invite you to read this verse with me again. Let's read this verse again together, loud this time. And uh, uh, let's begin right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that passage is true? If you think about that, I want you to uh, invite you to watch this uh, video with me. Charles Blondin, he was one of the greatest tightrope walkers in the history of the world. And one of his greatest feats was walking the, the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. 11,000 feet long, 160 feet above the water. And this he accomplished a number of times, and, and always with different theatric variations. Blindfolded, in a sack, pushing a wheelbarrow, on stilts, carrying a man on his back, and sitting down one time midway while he made an eight, an omelet. And one day after he had pushed a wheelbarrow across the, the Niagara Falls and come back on that tightrope, he asked a question. How many of you believe that I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and push him across the tightrope? And everybody cheered and yelled and screamed and everybody believed. And then he asked for a volunteer. And the crowd grew very, very quiet until one man stepped out of the crowd and got in the wheelbarrow. There's a difference between the crowd and the man in the wheelbarrow in regards to God. Where are you? In the crowd? They know, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. I believe there's a new world coming. Or are you in the wheelbarrow? You know, it doesn't really make much difference when you're standing on shore. It makes a lot of difference halfway across the tightrope. And in our everyday experiences, in our life, in our choices, in our, our waking up, going through our days, and going back to bed, we can play it safe. We can stay in the boat. We can maintain our comfort zone. Or we can walk on the water with Jesus. But if you want to walk on the water, 
You've got to get out of the boat. What do you think about? What are you connected to? What's driving you? What's motivating you? What makes you make the choices you make? Who is most important in your life? Not in your words, not out of your mouth, but out of your life. When it comes to believing, John 3.16, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, are you in the weir barrel? Or can you identify with maybe being in the crowd? You see, all of us is either in one of those two places. There's nothing in the middle. When you're playing a football game, you're either on the field or you're in the stands. There's nothing in the middle. When it comes to having a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're either in or we're out. There's nothing in the middle. And so this morning, I want to ask you uh, something very simple about this very uh, short but powerful passage. You know, have you claimed this verse for yourself? And if you have, how has it changed you? You know, if your answer to the question about relationship with Christ, if it is, are you going to heaven? If it's not, yes. If it's no, I think so, maybe, then those are the wrong answers. If you can't say yes without a doubt, then your first step this morning is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, I used to work with, and I told him, we were talking about, you know, are you going to go to heaven? Simple question, led into a half-an-hour conversation. It boiled down to this. He thought I was being presumptuous of God to say that I know for a fact I'm going to heaven. And in walking that through with him about, well, it's not about what I believe, but about what Scripture teaches and finding security in that, that we were able to finally get to some common ground. And the bottom line is this. Scripture teaches that there's one way to God, and that's through a relationship with his, his son, Jesus Christ. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. In Romans chapter 9, or chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this. If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you are confessed and are saved. You know, I really like Christmas more than any other holiday. Uh, but I also love more than anything what it means for us. You know, last weekend uh, at our Christmas Eve service and last weekend before in our Christmas Eve services, Pastor Dan gave everybody an opportunity to pray to make, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you did that and have not had an opportunity to talk to somebody about it, I want to invite you to do that today. You know, maybe today for the first time you've realized that, hey, I need to claim these truths for myself. I need to experience this love that God offers for myself. You know, if that's where you are today, I want to encourage you to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and share that decision with us. You know, if that's where you are this morning, I want to invite you to take your first step towards Christ and his family. And if you've already made that decision, if you have no doubt that John 3.16 is true, I want to celebrate that with you. Heaven is going to be great forever. As excited as I am about that and what's waiting for me, I hope you are as compelled to share what you know and what you have with others. You see, here's the rub for us. If we're going to claim this passage for our own lives, then the implication is if somebody doesn't have that, that they're going to spend eternity apart from God. And I pray that that compels you to want to share what you have with others. We have a responsibility to share this good news that we have with everyone around us. Remember, God's love is not just for us. So many times we get it and we think, we made it in, and we forget about the people around us. God's love is for everyone. And we have a responsibility to share that with other people. 
you know, Matthew 5.16 puts it like this. Let your light shine before men so that they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, is your life like Joe's? You know, do others look at you and see what God is doing in your life and say, man, I want a life like that. You know, if that's where you are this morning and, and you're thinking maybe that might be your next step, uh, maybe you just need to pray about working more towards being more Christ-likeness. You know, whatever your step is, I'm not sure what it is, but whatever it is, I want to encourage you to begin thinking about what can I do to continue to take that next step towards Christ and Christ-likeness. On the bottom of your insert, there's a couple of ideas for you, but also on the inside of your program, I've got a little slip of piece of paper. I'll invite you to take that with me now. Recognizing that every one of us is on a spiritual journey. We've been created in the image of God. We're spiritual beings. We're on a spiritual journey. Every one of us, regardless of whether we've been a, a believer for a year, whether we still have questions, or whether we've been a believer for 50 years, has a step that we can take forward. And I want to encourage you to think about, as you head into 2011, what are you anticipating and looking for God to do in your life? You know, if you have never taken the step of confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, there's a place for you to in- indicate that on that uh, little slip. You know, maybe you just need to identify with Christ through baptism or attend a membership class on, on January 16th. You know, membership is a biblical principle. We're members of one another. And to be a part of God's family means to be a member of a local body of Christ. And so we've got the spiritual gifts class and a membership class uh, coming up. We've got our baptism class coming up. And so if any one of those are one of your steps, you know, I want to encourage you just to let us know how we can help you take that step. You know, starting in February, Pastor Dan's going to be kicking off a new sermon alignment series. We're going to be opening up all of our small groups for an open enrollment, and we're going to ask everybody to join one of our small groups for this series. It's going to be a fantastic time. I'm convinced that small groups are ultimately where we're best able to live out our faith. As we sharpen one another, not just listen to the word, but talk to each other about how to apply it, ask questions, pray for one another, be salt and light in our community. Small groups are a part of God's plan for accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in our neighborhoods. Or maybe you just need to start working on reading the Bible and prayer, maybe memorizing scripture. You know, we've got, uh, I've been really challenged this past year. Each one of those passages that Pastor Dan puts up every month, I thought, I'm going to do it. I got all the way through half the month, and I started missing some, and I had to catch up. And, you know, memorizing Scripture is a discipline. We have to be diligent about it. You know, reading the Bible and prayer is something we have to be diligent about. It doesn't happen by accident. Last month, we had our men's breakfast, and I challenged the men there to pick up a 21-day connection plan and start developing a habit of Bible reading and prayer. That's not the first thing we naturally want to do in the morning. So we need to encourage one another and, 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 and hold each other up and help each other accomplish that. In just a few moments, I'm going to um, ask our uh, ushers to come forward. We want to collect these uh, slips from you. And I want to ask our worship team if they could go ahead and uh, come on out. Uh, and while they're doing that, I want to give you just a few more moments to complete that slip. You know, if you have already uh, made a faith commitment, you know, if you've already claimed these passages for yourself, I want to encourage you to think about what your next step might be. Maybe it's hosting a small group. If you're in a small group and you've been enjoying that biblical community, you know, would you be willing to step out and host another group so that other people could join you and be a part of that? Our spiritual gifts class is going to start on January 11th. Uh, you know, every believer, the Bible says, every believer has a spiritual gift for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. If you don't know your spiritual gift, we want to help you to do that. You know, if you're involved in a small group now or leading a ministry here, uh, if you'd like help identifying and developing an apprentice, I will personally help you do that. And so if that's your next step, um, we want to invite you to indicate that. You know, maybe you just need to work on uh, your finances. You know, finances are a big deal right now. If you haven't had an opportunity to attend our Financial Peace University class, it's outstanding. We've had almost 100 people go through that class uh, in the last year and a half. 
Mark Valdez is doing a fantastic job leading that. If you want some help working through that, um, just let us know how we can help you. And then there's a little place for you to say other. I don't know what your next step is, but as you think through that, um, just take a moment to, uh, uh, to give some opportunity to let us help you do that. I want to invite our uh, ushers to come forward now as you uh, uh, just maybe give that a little bit more thought. If you don't have enough time uh, right now just to kind of indicate that or to fill that out, I want to encourage you. Uh, you can bring that by the uh, small groups table. I'll be out in the lobby after the service uh, this morning. You can bring that to me. There's a box that's on the uh, welcome desk uh, that you can just kind of fold that up and drop that into. But I want to encourage you uh, with me as we look at 2011 just to pray that God would not only continue to do a mighty work in us, but use us uh, to effectively accomplish his plans. God loves us. He has a plan for us. And doing that together in community, uh, there's no greater uh, experience. And we have an opportunity as a church uh, to be salt and light in our community. And uh, our tithes and offerings go to support God's work uh, here in this community, in this local body of Christ. And so um, we're going to lift our tithes and offerings up to the Lord as well. I'd just like to ask you uh, to pray with me that we would uh, continue to see God do an amazing work in us and through us uh, together. Would you pray? Father, I just thank you for um, the opportunity that we have to celebrate the birth of your son this Christmas. Uh, God, what an incredible gift. Your love is an incredible gift. And I just pray that you would continue to pour your blessings out on us. Uh, God, may we more importantly be a blessing to others. Uh, God, may you help us to be able to share the good news that we have uh, with those around us. Thank you for the testimonies uh, of life change. And I thank you for uh, Springbrook. I thank you for this ministry and just for all the ways you provided for us. God, as we enter into this next year, we want to continue uh, to be effective at reaching this community for Christ and uh, building up uh, those that you've called uh, to be a part of uh, this church home. And uh, God, we lift all these things up to you for your glory and for all these things in Christ's name.